0: And with that, we're ready to dive into God's Word. Uh, make sure you have your Bibles handy, opening to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as we bring our Run the Race series to a close this morning. Since I was a little guy, all the way back as far as I can remember, I had a fascination with superheroes. From a very young age, I liked superheroes. The, the first superhero I remember really, really adoring was this little fella here. (laughs) You recognize him? Some of you will. Mighty Mouse. And he would sing that song, Here I come to save the day. And he would be that little superhero who'd save the little mouse heroine or do whatever was needed to save the day. And so I liked Mighty Mouse, but as I got into elementary school, I outgrew Mighty Mouse. So I began to take an interest in another superhero The most powerful man in the universe, they would say, good old He-Man, riding Battle Cat in this picture. You remember He-Man? I loved He-Man when I was in elementary school. And somewhere around that time, I don't remember exactly when, I began to really, really like another superhero, a a different kind of superhero. His name was Steve Austin, otherwise known as the Six Million Dollar Man. Do you remember him? (laughs) The TV show began with one of the greatest title sequences of all time. It shows Steve Austin flying an experimental aircraft and something goes terribly wrong and his plane crashes and then it cuts to the next scene, which is an operating room and Steve Austin is on the table and then the narration begins. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. And then as Steve Austin leaves the operating room six million dollars later, we learn that he's got two bionic legs that allow him to run 60 miles an hour. He's got this bionic eye, which gives him telescopic vision to see things in the distance so that no other human being could see. And he's got a bionic right arm, which makes him the strongest man in the world. In fact, Steve Austin is so strong in one episode, he actually wrestles Bigfoot, (laughs) one of the cheesier episodes. But you know what? I have to admit it was a corny, corny show. But in all honesty, those words inspired me. For a long, long time, and in fact, they still inspire me today. Steve Austin, better than he was before, better, stronger, faster. We're going to talk about those three words a lot today because this month we've been focusing in on running this race that Jesus has given us with perseverance. With perseverance. Jesus has called us to run a great race, not just as individuals, but together. And so we've been focused on Hebrews 12, one through three, where God urges us to run our Jesus race with everything we've got. No matter how poorly you've started your race, Jesus is calling us to run hard and to finish strong. Jesus ran his race and finished his race strong for you. And he expects you to run your weight, race strong and to finish strong for him. As you probably know, Jesus loves us, but he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. Jesus refuses to leave us spiritually fat and lazy. So he is patiently and powerfully working in our lives to make us better than we were before. Better, stronger and Faster. As we learned last Sunday, none of us is running this Jesus race alone. It is a team race. We are running this race together. So Jesus is making us a church as a church better than we were before. He's making us together as a body of impact Christian church, better, stronger and faster. Today's message I'm calling run the race part five. Here we are again in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse one. Hopefully you've already gotten there in your Bibles. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Some translations say run with endurance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May God bless us as we study and apply his word to our lives today. Well, this month we have been drawing inspiration from athletes and from heroes of our faith. Who have persevered. Let's start with those athletes. At the beginning of the month, I I shared with you the story of Christian Blumenfeld, a triathlete from Norway. And there is a picture of him crossing the finish line in the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. He looked like he was going to drop dead on that final lap of this race. But he crossed the finish line in first place. And it wasn't until after he crossed that finish line that he collapsed from exhaustion. But he had finished the race, and he finished in first. Uh, Then the next week, we looked at uh, good old Derek Redmond from the 1992 Barcelona Games. Remember, Derek was the one that was possibly a favorite to win the 200-meter run. But in the semifinal race, about halfway down the track, he tore his hamstring. He was experiencing the greatest pain of his life, but he stood back up and he hobbled toward the finish line as best as he could, With his dad at his side, Derek Redman persevered and finished the race. Then we took a a look at this wonderful swimmer by the name of Tatiana Schoenmacher. Tatiana Schoenmacher from South Africa was a favorite to win gold in the 200 meter breaststroke. Remember, she's a committed follower of Christ. And before she flew to Tokyo, uh, she had made the commitment that she was going to do her very best for God to bring him honor and glory And not only did Tatiana win gold, that look of surprise on her face you may remember was because she looked at the scoreboard and realized that she had broken the world record, becoming the only woman in history to have ever swam that 200-meter breaststroke in under two minutes and 19 seconds. And then last week, we looked at Cliff Young, a 61-year-old poor potato farmer and sheep herder from Australia who showed up in 1983 at the hardest most grueling ultra marathon on the planet at the time, a 543 mile foot race across Australia. He showed up and competed in his rain boots against 150 of the most elite runners on the planet. And not only did Cliff Young win, he beat the second place runner by almost 10 hours. He finished the race in first and he kept the faith through it all. We've drawn inspiration from these athletes that did so well and as inspirational as they have been, they haven't been even as inspirational as who we've read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Those faith heroes are even more inspirational than Cliff Young or Tatiana Schunmacher or Christian Blumenfeld or Derek Redmond. Those heroes of the faith, we talked about many of them. There are about 20 listed by name there in Hebrews 11, and we touched briefly on Noah and Abraham and Rahab and David and Joseph and Gideon and Jephthah. Each of these faith heroes trusted God's promises and obeyed God's promises, even when their five senses didn't verify that those promises and those commands were true. We saw that those uh, heroes of the faith obeyed God even when it defied logic. They obeyed God and trusted God's promises, even when all the so-called experts around them said that God's commands and God's promises were insane. They trusted God anyway. They walked by faith. These faith heroes of the Old Testament trusted God and they loved God and they obeyed God's commands anyway. As we bring this Run the Race message series to a close this morning, I'd like to share share with you what I think is a very important bow to put on this series, a, a final bow to put on the package. I want to share with you three final training tips for running a gold medal race for Jesus together. Once again, remember, you're not uh, running this Jesus race alone. We're running it together as a church. And this is the bow on the package to conclude this series. Three final training tips for running this race well together. Training tip number one. We need better vision. We need better vision. In the first 12 verses of Hebrews 11, God's word highlights the first five Old Testament heroes of the faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. And then in the very next verse, in Hebrews 11, verse 13, I want you to notice what it says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. I, w- I want you to especially focus on that second part of the verse. They didn't receive what was promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So think about this verse for a moment. It's saying that God made certain promises to Abel and to Noah and to Abraham that God didn't get fulfilled in their lifetimes. These men and women all died before some of God's promises to them were fulfilled. But to their dying day, they held on to faith anyway. They trusted That even though they couldn't see God's promises fulfilled in their own lifetime, they trusted that they would be fulfilled just the same. How how was this possible? Well, it was possible because they had much better vision than most of us have. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, these men and women of God had the ability to see things in the distance that most people cannot see. Things that can only be seen through the eyes of faith. They could see what was way down the road, hope and deliverance and fulfilled promises, things that nobody else around them noticed or could see. So since they could see what was coming down the pike, they walked by faith, even when what was down the road didn't actually come their way in their own lifetime. It certainly would have been nice if those promises had been fulfilled during their lifetimes. But when they weren't, it didn't matter. Because they could see them coming anyway. They knew they were coming. Ultimately, it didn't affect their faith at all if those promises weren't fulfilled in their own lifetimes because they could see it coming. That makes sense, doesn't it? I like how Warren Wearsby puts it. He says, faith enables us to see what others cannot see. As a result, faith enables us to do what others cannot do. People laughed at these great men and women when they stepped out by faith, but God was with them and enabled them to succeed to his glory. Oswald Chambers put it perfectly. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. It's pretty good, isn't it? Let these words sink deeply into your mind and heart. What he says here, faith enables us to see. What others cannot see as a result, faith enables us to do what others cannot do. Let those words sink in for a moment. Faith enables us to see what others can't see and in turn to be able to do what others can't do. Let's spend a few moments focused on the first part of this quote. Faith enables us to see what others can't see. Now, I didn't give you any warning, but right now I'm going to give you a pop quiz. You ready? Giving you a bit of a pop quiz. It's actually a pop quiz eye exam. <laughs> we're going to do a church eye exam to see how our vision is. Okay? We as a church have a number of challenges we're dealing with right now. I'm going to highlight three of these. We'll talk about these a little bit more this evening at the vision event. Uh, but I want to uh, quickly look at three challenges that our church is facing and the difference that it makes based on your vision how you perceive these challenges. OK, so challenge number one, challenge number one. We don't have a youth director to lead our ministry to our teens. That's a, a challenge we as a church are dealing with right now. We don't have a youth director right now. As you know, uh, Patrick, our youth director, moved to Honolulu a couple months ago. We've been looking all summer, but we don't have one yet. We don't have a youth director. Over the past few months, the elders and I have been praying, we've been looking, we've put the feelers out, and as of yet, we don't have our new youth director. And so, how are we going to view this unmet need? Well, if we're not viewing this unmet need through the eyes of faith, we'll probably respond like this. Oh no, we don't have a youth director. We're flushing our youth ministry down the toilet. Our youth ministry is doomed. But if we look at this through the eyes of faith, we'll respond more like this. Well, you know what? Our youth group will not fall apart. We don't have a youth director right now, but soon we will. Soon we will. In faith, we can see it because the Bible promises us this. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so is God oblivious to our need that we need a youth director? No. And so in faith, we trust this promise and we know God's going to bring him, even though we can't see him with our own two eyes right now. Amen. So we believe God's going to do it. We don't know if our next youth director will have brown hair, or blonde hair or no hair. We don't know if our next youth director is going to be tall or short or somewhere in between. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be white, Hispanic, black or a combination of all three. We don't know the details of our next youth director, but through the eyes of faith, we can see him coming, can't we? Amen. Through the eyes of faith, we can see him coming. Parents, I want to encourage you to share this with your kids and teenagers if they're still living at home with you. I want to encourage you to share this with your kids and be honest with them, be open with them. Hey, uh, we've been looking for a youth director at our church and we've been praying for a youth director. And God hasn't brought him yet. But you know what? As a family, we're going to start praying together that God would bless our church with a great new youth director. And you know what? We don't know what he's going to look like, but God's going to bring him. And we believe he's going to bring him soon because we serve a God who hears and answers prayer. Kids, you wait and see as you pray. God will answer that prayer. Would you do that for me? teach your kids how to pray in faith and trust in God and see the goodness of God come in answer to that prayer of faith amen god will bring us a new youth director we believe it even though with our own eyes right now we can't see it big challenge number 2 at our church uh, we need more musicians for our worship team i've been sharing this with you for a month or two now we we need more musicians Our bench is is pretty shallow right now. We don't have a lot of guitarists or bass guitarists or drummers, especially after this Sunday, because this week uh, one of our most faithful musicians, Sophia, is going to be moving away to college. And so we're so happy for her, but uh, that's going to leave our bench a little more shallow than it has been. And so we've been praying and we've been looking for new uh, musicians. And as of yet, God hasn't provided new permanent musicians for us. He's provided some pinch hitters, but not some permanent ones. And so we've been asking for God to answer this prayer. As of yet, he hasn't given us any permanent new I almost said magicians, permanent new musicians. And so how are we going to respond to this? Well, if we're short sighted, if we're not looking at this through faith, we might say, oh, no, what are we going to do? We can't have worship without a guitar. Well, if we have faith. And we see down the road that God is a God who hears and answers prayer. will respond more like this one way or another today, next week and the week after that, God will be worshipped at Impact Christian Church. Amen. God will be worshipped. We know it in faith. We see it in faith. God will be worshipped at our church. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter six in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? Or who's going to play the guitar? No, he didn't say that part uh, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And how many things all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. They'll be added. We know that God can provide instrumentalists for us right now if he so chooses, right? But if he doesn't, we are still going to trust in God just the same. God does not need to answer this prayer immediately to show that we have faith. Sometimes it's harder to hold on to faith when God's answer is delayed. Amen. God doesn't need to answer this prayer immediately for us to have faith. We see through the eyes of faith and welcome those new instrumentalists from a distance. Amen. Challenge number three that we're facing as a church. After finally moving to a great location two years ago, remember, we moved over to the Ralph Baker School. Great little location in a neighborhood in Victorville. Now our church is back in the ghost town. Oh no! How are we going to respond if we're short-sighted? If we don't have the eyes of faith, we'll say, oh no, we're back in the ghost town. We're in a neighborhood, but it's uninhabited. Uh, It's like it is a ghost town around here. No one lives within at least three to five miles of our location. And so every church that's a legitimate church owns its own building and we don't own a building. And every church that's a successful church is in a decent location and we're in a lousy location. I've had some people tell us it's the worst location for a church Ever seen, and so without the eyes of faith, we might say we're doomed. Ah, but with the eyes of faith, what do we see? Through the eyes of faith, we see that God has been up to something all along. Did we expect that six months after moving into that school we'd be kicked out and have to go back to our old facility? No, we didn't expect that. But let me tell you something about this facility in the ghost town. During COVID. We've been able to separate chairs and be at a much safer spacing than most churches around us. We've been able to do services outside with shade. A lot of churches weren't able to do that. We've been able to do services inside with lots of room. And, do you know, we lease our building from Vermont Christian School. Do you know how much we pay for our lease at our George Boulevard building? Are you sitting down? One dollar a year. One dollar a year. Now tell me that's not God. (laughs) Tell me that God isn't working all things together for good. He is. He's at work in our situation. And through the eyes of faith, even though we've had some curveballs we haven't expected, we believe that at some point God is going to move us to a more central location. We believe at some point God will probably give us a building of our own, a beautiful building in a great location surrounded by people who need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the eyes of faith, we believe it. We believe it. Amen? God is at work for the good. In the meantime, we must trust God and be faithful to God right here where he has put us here and now. Think about it. Why would God entrust our church with a great central location if we can't be proven faithful in a bad location? (laughs) He probably won't, right? So we need to be faithful to God. And trust God right where he's placed us now. We know that God can provide a centrally located church building for us. And if he chooses to do that within the next week or the next month, praise God. We're excited. But if he doesn't, and his answer tarries a bit, that will not affect our faith in God. We're going to trust him regardless. In faith, we see our church in a more central location and we welcome it from a distance, even if we move there after I'm pushing up daisies. (laughs) We believe it in faith. And just like those Old Testament heroes of the faith, we take hold of it and trust God, even though no one around us is able to see it. Faith enables us to see what others can't see. Christians, our faith gives us bionic vision, it gives us telescopic vision. Uh, Our faith allows us to see God's answered prayers before those prayers are actually answered. Faith allows us to see God's fulfilled promises even before those promises are fulfilled. Faith allows us to to move ahead, knowing that God is doing certain things down the road, even if I don't personally experience those during my lifetime with my own Five senses in faith. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can see that our pain and suffering will end. We can see that our labors for the Lord will be rewarded. We can see the finish line. Therefore, in faith, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So don't lose heart, church. Don't lose heart. We need better vision. Well, training tip number two. Training tip number one, we need better vision. Tip number two, we need stronger endurance. We need stronger endurance. Remember Wiersbe's words, faith enables us to see what others cannot see and then allows as a result our faith to do what others cannot do. Faith enables us to see what others cannot see. As a result, faith enables us to do what others cannot do. Don't forget that one of the keys to running a gold medal race for Jesus is to draw inspiration from other runners. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's filled with example after example after example of heroes of our faith who pressed on and persevered through enormous obstacles and trials. And we draw inspiration from them. Amen. Because they held on to faith no matter what came down the pike. Take another look with me at Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. I think this is just such an inspirational stretch of Hebrews chapter 11. Look again with me, starting in verse 32. By faith, the prostitute... That was verse 31. Skip into 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms... Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed into, They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Oh, what a, a powerful passage. Uh, look again at verse 33. Some faith heroes had to encounter hungry lions. That's certainly an allusion to Daniel, who, remember, was tossed into a lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, most people uh, couldn't have survived lions' uh, uh, Hungry lions in a den, but Daniel did by faith. Verse 34 some faith heroes like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the flames literally. And God preserved and saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by faith. Now, these are examples of of faith heroes who trusted in God and experienced God's deliverance. They didn't die, Uh, they didn't suffer greatly in those particular occasions. But then the writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us about those who held on to faith, even when God did not deliver them. Look at verse thirty five. Others were tortured and refused to be released. Verse thirty six. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. And then the one that really blows me away, verse thirty seven. They were stoned. They were sawed in two and they were put to death by the sword. My goodness, those are some terrible ways to die. Can you imagine dying for your faith by having a bunch of people pick up rocks and throw them at your head until you drop unconscious and eventually die? Can you imagine dying for your faith in Christ by having someone run you through and there you are just bleeding out until you die or or that one that is just crazy to me to think about? having a bunch of people grab you and hold you down while a couple other dudes get out the saw and saw you in two. What a horrible way to die. But each and every one of those who suffered in this way in the Old Testament that God is shining the spotlight on, each and every one held on to faith until their dying breath. Even though God didn't deliver them from their torture and their execution, they held on to faith anyway. Well, listen to these words from Warren Wiersbe. I think they're so good. Warren Wiersbe writes this. We'll put it on the screen for you. The writer of Hebrews in these three verses, 36 through 38, recorded the fact that many unknown men and women of faith were not delivered from difficult circumstances, yet God honored their faith. In fact, it takes more faith to endure than it does to escape. That's certainly true, isn't it? We should trust God and obey him even if he does not deliver us. And then Warren Wearsby calls our attention to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said in Daniel chapter three, verses sixteen through eighteen. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, our God is strong enough to deliver us from the flames, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O King, we will not bow our knee to your idol that you've made, because we only serve the one true God. They believed that God would deliver them. But they said, even if he chooses not to, we're going to trust in him just the same to our dying breath. Wow! The faith of these Old Testament heroes is so inspiring. It's easy to persevere in faith for a few minutes when God answers our prayers quickly. But it's hard to hold on to faith when God's answers to prayer come slowly or not at all. But we need to hold on to faith anyway. No matter how slow God's answers may appear to be, no matter how much pain and suffering intensifies, that's when our faith really must be tested and must stand. Well, church, we need stronger endurance. Training tip number three we need faster obedience, we need better vision. Number two, we need stronger endurance. And number three, we need faster obedience. We've been talking a lot this month about faith and obedience going hand in hand. The fact is, if we don't obey God, we really don't trust God. If we don't obey Christ, we really don't trust Christ. So if we as a church really trust Christ, we will obey him. And we'll obey him quickly. Do you remember what we call delayed obedience? What do you call procrastinated obedience? Delayed obedience or procrastinated obedience is disobedience. That's what we call it. God doesn't call us to obey when we get around to it. God doesn't call us to obey sometime when we feel like it down the road. He calls us to obey quickly, doesn't he? Now, if you kind of drag your feet and eventually get around to obeying, that's certainly better than just permanently disobeying. But God has called us as Christ's followers to obey quickly, to obey quickly. And so when God comes to us and says, give, we need to give without hesitation. If God comes to us and says, go, we need to go. If he says, do this, we need to immediately do this. If he says, do that, we need to immediately do that. In order to run this gold medal race for Jesus, we have to obey God quickly. We don't have time for disobedience and sin. Our time is short and the stakes are too high. So we must fix our eyes on Jesus and obey him on time, every time. Christ has called us as a church to be better than we were before. Better, stronger, and faster. Amen? He's called us to have better vision. He's called us to have stronger endurance and he's called us to have faster obedience as individuals and together as a church family. And if there's any doubt in your mind that this is what God's word is calling us to do, I want you to look one last time at these glorious verses in Hebrews 12 that we've been looking at all month long. Look at them again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You see it? That's faster obedience. And let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. Goes on to say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We'll get that up here for you because I want you to see it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's better vision. You see it? Fix your eyes on Jesus for the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's him setting the example of stronger obedience, stronger endurance, I should say. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've been looking at these verses all month long. And right there in front of us, God's little message has been there all along. He has called us to have better vision, just like Jesus. We look ahead to the finish line. He's called us to have stronger endurance, to press on, just like those heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 that pressed on through amazing obstacles and difficulties and pain and suffering. And then most of all, to endure like Jesus, who endured more than anyone else who's ever lived. And then finally, we obey quickly. We're faster in our obedience. We obey quickly. Quickly, So there you have it. The greatest superhero of all time, Jesus Christ. Better, stronger, faster. And together as a church, we are running in his footsteps. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May we consider you who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord Jesus, uh, we have not been very good at running this race at points in our Christian life. Forgive us, O God, and help us to have better vision because we've been short sighted. We get so caught up in the stresses of this world and the worries of this world and what's going on that we can perceive with our own five senses instead of looking beyond what our senses can perceive to what can only be seen through the eyes of faith. Help us to look ahead at the finish line, Lord Jesus. Help us to focus on you in heaven with arms wide open, waiting for us to arrive strong. Lord, help us to endure as those heroes of the faith endured. Lord, there are so many problems in our world, but it appears that the problems are only going to get worse. The trials we face as Christians will only get harder. The criticism that we endure, the persecution that we face will only intensify. And I want us to be ready as a church for that, O God. So I pray that you would strengthen our endurance. May we be stronger in our ability to persevere. And Lord, I pray that we would be faster to obey you and stop dragging our feet because your way is best now and it's going to be best tomorrow and the day after that. So why dilly-dally? Why drag our feet? We need to obey you now and obey you quickly. Help us to walk in obedience to your commands every day. Help us to do this as individuals. Help us to do this as a church. And as we face challenges and difficulties, I pray that you would find us better than we were before. Better, stronger, and faster. All for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, God is good and God is faithful. If you've never put your life in His hands, if you've never put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life, I urge you to do that today. We call this Decision Sunday for a reason. It's an opportunity for you to make a decision. Don't just think this is for some other guy watching the broadcast or some other lady watching the broadcast. This is for you. It's a time of decision for you. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ because you've been backsliding or you've been sitting on the grass in this race instead of getting up and running it, you need to rededicate your life to Christ today. Reach out to one of our prayer counselors. If you need prayer because you're facing some obstacles or some suffering or some pain, whatever it might be that's slowing you down and hindering you in this race, reach out to one of our prayer counselors. We'd love to pray with you. Or if you're maybe watching this for the first time and you've never made a decision for Christ, I want to share with you the ABCs of getting right with God. A, admit that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior, Jesus Christ. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven. Take hold of Jesus by faith. And C, choose. To begin following Jesus Christ. To begin putting him in the driver's seat of your life from this point forward. Until he calls you home to heaven. It's not an easy decision to make. But it's not complicated either. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you. And that you need him. And choose to follow him beginning today. Put him in the driver's seat of your life. And let's run this race together. You're not running it alone. Let's lock arms and run this race better than ever before. Oh, only God has the ability to make little old me better than I was before. Better, stronger, faster. And he can do the same for you. You reach out to one of our prayer counselors right now if you need prayer or have a decision to make for Christ. And let me know as well. I'd love to hear about it. Well, this brings our service to a close, unless you're going to stick around and join us for communion. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to encourage you as we go into this new month of September to run that Christian race with everything you've got. Our days are numbered. The stakes are high. So let's not piddle around. Let's give Jesus Christ everything we've got. Amen. Amen. Hope to see you tonight at the Vision event at 6 p.m. God bless you.